I'm WFAE's David Borax, and this is R&D in the QC. Tarek Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, one Republican and one Democrat who bonded as first-term Charlotte City Council members. Somehow, they both got re-elected, and now we're stuck listening to another season of this amateur hour bullshit. In the first 82 episodes, they talked to a governor, a senator, presidential candidates, and even a journalist or two. Their goal again this season, bringing Charlotte listeners behind the scenes of the city council in one of America's fastest-growing cities. I won't be listening, but for some reason, you are. Episode 97, Congresswoman Alma Adams and Congressman Dan Bishop join R&D in the QC. Right now, in episode 97, with my dear sidekick, Larkin Eggleston, and our Congresswoman for the 12th District, Alma Adams, welcome to the show. I think my Congresswoman will vouch for the fact that I am no one's sidekick. (laughs) I will vouch for you. We are glad to have you on, Dr. Adams. Um, We're going to have both of, of the folks, yourself and Representative Bishop, on who represent different parts of Charlotte so that you can talk to folks. We've heard a lot from our constituents and we know you have from yours around uh, the concerns with this coronavirus, COVID-19 crisis. Um, So we're gonna get into the meat of some of the federal relief package that you guys have passed and some of the uh, programs that are out there that can assist individuals or small businesses here in our community uh, to help them survive through this time. But first, what's it been like for you Obviously, we're in kind of a new normal right now. We keep saying that. Uh, I hope it doesn't become normal for too long. But, uh, you know, with travel being restricted, with stay-at-home orders, what's it like being a member of Congress? Uh, you know, Tark and I's work in government is here in the city of Charlotte. Yours is in Washington, D.C. What's it like doing that job in these in these current conditions? Well, let me just, first of all, thank uh, Tarek and thank you as well, uh, Larkin, for inviting me to participate with you today. Uh, it has been uh, challenging, uh, to say the least. Uh, I've, I've been I've been learning how to uh, use my uh, computer more. This is probably my fifth or sixth uh, Zoom <coughs> program, so I've learned how to do that as well. And I think you you're forced sometimes uh, when situations uh, are as they are uh, to conform. And so I've tried to um, to do that. We have continued to uh, basically uh, have uh, our day-to-day activities uh, in a very limited way, virtual way. Uh, So all of my committees are still meeting, uh, which means that I'm meeting all day from about eight in the morning. And in between that, I'm talking to constituents and so forth. So we're we're still trying to conduct conduct business. The only thing we're not able to do at this point uh, is to go into the chamber and vote. Now, when we get to that point, I'm not sure how that's going to be worked out, but there is some talk about uh, uh, voting electronically, but we don't have a system like that. There's some people who think it might be a good idea, and then there are others who I think that it might uh, be not only challenging, uh, but uh, maybe not uh, as foolproof as, as we'd like it to be. Uh, but I've had a chance to um, actually still meet with my constituents uh, in small groups and uh, just conducting as if we were doing that, uh, as if I was coming back and forth uh, from from, uh, Washington uh, every week. Uh, But it's been very challenging and uh, I've tried to uh, obey the rules and stay in. Uh, That's challenging too, because it's just me in here. And sometimes, you know, you get a little tired of yourself. 
but um, it's, uh, you know, we're working it out and uh, I'm becoming more technologically uh, literate. And I think that certainly that's a big plus uh, for me. There's only one thing more challenging than being in a uh, house by yourself right now, and that's being with a two, four, and six-year-old congresswoman. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely feel your pain, but from a, diff a totally different angle. Um, but you're bonding more. We are yeah. definitely bonding Absolutely. more. We've that's the word for it. Yeah, definitely have gotten to know each other in deeper ways. Um, let me ask you a question, Congresswoman, on um, something that everyone has, some ac new acronyms that everyone has learned, um, the CARES Act, Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. And within that, a particular provision called PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. $350 billion in potentially forgivable loans, a lot of detail um, and everything like that. But I guess my question to you is, um, for those that are, are really tuning in, particularly small business, which we're super focused in here in the city of Charlotte right now, trying to have as many of them survive as possible. Can you just start at a high level of like, how that's been, what that process has been like, and what your thought process has been as you have, um, as you have worked on that? Well, let me first of all um, say that um, the this situation that we're in right now uh, with this coronavirus and this pandemic uh, is not a partisan issue. It is a life or death issue. And so uh, all of the legislation that your Congress has worked on uh, during the month of March, actually, three bills um, have all been, been nonpartisan, bipartisan bills, as they should be. Uh, this is not a time, you know, this virus uh, uh, does not discriminate. Doesn't matter where you work, doesn't matter what your uh, religious affiliation is, doesn't matter what your race or ethnicity is. Uh, but I'll tell you, um, people have been, uh, and I've talked to a lot of businesses in the district, small businesses that are basically the engine of not only our economy here in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, but, but is it is the uh, it underpins our economy throughout this nation. Uh, this PPP was actually a thought by uh, Congress to make sure that we could help our small businesses keep their employees, number one, uh, on the payroll. Uh, we were asked to, they were asked to shut down, close up, uh, but no fault of their own. And so we just believe that we had to uh, make some provisions for small businesses uh, to, to make sure that they could, once we get past this, that they could not only bounce back, but continue to operate. Uh, the PPP, as you said, there's money there, but let me just say that we realized when we put that bill together, the CARES Act, that that was just a down payment, that we have to do more, and we're in, 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 in the talking stage right now, you may have heard that there was a, an, a bill attempted uh, to come out of the Senate, which did not. Uh, at this point, uh, but if you have a, a if you are a small business owner and you want to um, keep your employees, uh, there's an opportunity for you to do that. Uh, there's funding for you as a business person to not only assist your employees with their insurance and uh, their salaries, uh, but also there's a bonus for you for doing that. So there's incentive uh, for that business person. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration uh, because uh, the Small Business Association uh, is the is the the entity uh, that you would need to 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 apply to 
but I would also say that we have many banks that are involved in helping to uh, process these loans and, and get build these applications. Uh, one of the, the frustrations that I'm hearing from uh, my constituents uh, is that uh, some of the bigger banks have indicated that if you're not a customer, if you don't have an account, uh, that they may not deal with you. Um, I've had some conversations with several of those banks. I do sit on, uh, I sit on um, uh, the Financial Services Committee uh, chaired by Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, we've talked to them. We, we actually have another meeting scheduled with them as well. Uh, the intent of this program was really to help our very small businesses as well, our mom and pops, our independent contractors, those people who may only have two or three employees, uh, to let them know that they could still uh, keep their um, uh, keep their status and um, uh, not uh, fold. Uh, so you know, we, we we this bill was not perfect. There were things I think that we. Uh, did not expect that uh, that happened and that we're trying to correct now as we move forward. For the first time, this um, uh, unemployment, for example, in a way is tied to it because uh, we have put uh, a, an enhancement in unemployment uh, funds so that uh, if, uh, if you um, uh, apply for unemployment, whether you are a, you can be in the gig economy, uh, this would mean that if you're an artist, if you uh, work, if you are a Lyft driver and so forth, so everybody basically was intended to be covered and the PPP um, is designed to do that. Uh, some of these uh, loans are, are, are actually grants in a way because they are forgivable, but it depends on uh, your particular situation, um, how many employees you have, um, if you, how much of the actual income for those employees are you going to pay? So there are a number of details connected with it, uh, but we have a full explanation and a, basically a walkthrough uh, on our website um, as well as on the small business website. We also have resources. We've had right now two um, different uh, town halls uh, that deal one with small business and the other one was was kind of general uh, But there is information there and of course my office is available to help you if you're running into any particular um, uh, uh, Stumbling blocks uh, just give us a call or go to my website adams.gov adams dot house dot gov and uh, yeah, I don't access my website as much as other people, so sometimes I forget it. But adams.house.gov, and we'll be able to assist you and connect you with uh, uh, with the right person. Uh, we're told that, and I want to just make a make a comment about the uh, the unemployment and the twelve the checks that people are looking for, which I understand from Secretary Mnuchin uh, will be forthcoming. Uh, in, in, in a week, at least that will, they will be beginning that process. Uh, we've tried to put a lot of pressure on them. We realize that uh, individuals who have just lost their jobs and, and, and just such an abrupt uh, situation here, uh, we've all been asked to stay home. All of that was, was, was abrupt. And so people are having to pay their bills. Uh, there's also um, uh, on uh, that website, now you'll be able to access it a little bit better because they've uh, brought in additional 
uh, support uh, to help with that. We've had some breakdowns on, on the website and that kind of thing. I don't think our systems have been updated uh, for years. You don't expect something like this. And when it happens, uh, you, you know, you're not as prepared with the large numbers, the millions of people who have applied for uh, unemployment. It has just uh, it, it overwhelmed the system. Oh, it has. It has. And yeah. I think the last time we, we saw some numbers, it was something like 30 times what the system is, is used to accommodating on any given week as far as unemployment claims. You, um, you, are, you are exactly right. And um, when you think about that, um, it's, it's, just, it's just tremendous. And certainly it would put um, the kind of strain that it has. But of course, if, you're, if, if it's not, uh, if, you're, if your system is not up and going the way it should be, then you'll still have a problem. Congresswoman, I, you've mentioned a couple things that I just want to ask one follow-up I think are, are, are very interesting and unique. You know, when we look at the demand landscape here, it's unprecedented. It, it, people are estimating that over 20% of small businesses could fail because of this coronavirus. We may never see them again. So it's devastating, we know. When you think about kind of the unprecedented nature and what's going on, the, the, you know, the PPP program, um, Banks started accepting applications a week ago. feels like a year ago at this point, a week ago. And on that first Friday, one week ago today, um, Bank of America and JPMC were the only two that were even able to begin accepting applications. It was really fast and furious. We know B of A saw $6 billion worth of applications in only a couple hours. Friday ended with over $30 billion. So I guess my question to you is, we, you know, Charlotte is a banking town and it's a newly blossoming fintech town. Um, and you know, we've got a lot of great banks from Bank of America to Wells to now Truist and Ally and Fifth Thirds here and so many more. I guess my question to you is twofold. One, as you're thinking through this and, and it's evolving, and I'm going to ask uh, Congressman Bishop the same question. Um, do you believe that we should be more flexible and figure out ways to unleash our banks to be able to do more because people are getting turned away right now we've got wells fargo that can't even participate think about in our own backyard in some ways how many people bank at wells fargo and small businesses and on the other side fintechs right now are kind of they have one hand tied behind their backs they fintechs are designed to make cutting edge technology, use data quickly, accept things online, do things remotely. They're uniquely positioned yet in some ways they're kind of being left out of the mix right now. How do you think about those two factors? And then on the other side of that, just demand that's off the charts and we can't meet it. Well, thank you for your question. Let me first of all say that I had a, a very um, a good conversation with Wells Fargo on yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, and they're, re, they're, re, they're opening or reopening their process. Uh, one of the things I think that uh, we have realized in Congress is that for this particular uh, uh, program, uh, for this CARES Act, and partic particularly the program geared, geared for small businesses, uh, we, need, we, have, uh, we have looked at the fact that we need to um, uh, alleviate those barriers for those companies. Now, Wells Fargo had uh, some uh, circumstances placed on it, um, and for this coronavirus situation and for this time, uh, those things are going to be moved out of the way so that they can operate. And I think we realize that that has to be done for all of the banks. So I will tell you that 
uh, our uh, chair of uh, financial services, Congressman Waters, realizes that. And we've talked about it uh, as a collective group. So those are things that we are working on so that there are no barriers, because if there are barriers for the banks, then there are barriers for our small businesses who are trying to get these loans. So I think the citizens will begin to see. And I would say if you have applied uh, and uh, you weren't accepted or you couldn't get in the system or you thought it was closed down, uh, you, you should go ahead and reapply um, as soon as possible. And of course, Wells Fargo knows I'm saying this because I, as I said, I talked to them yesterday and citizens probably haven't gotten the word yet, uh, but they are, they are available to, to take uh, applications. That's great. Thank you. And one last question we just got from uh, the Facebook feed from our friend and future school board member, Kevin Poirier. Uh, he asked, in light of, of what we saw in Wisconsin and understanding all these, these states have postponed their primaries, thankfully North Carolina got theirs in before a lot of this um, kind of shifted. But what are you starting to think about in terms of what the November election could look like um, at least for North Carolina, do you prefer to see us going to a more mail-in ballot system? Um, do you think we'll be out of uh, out of this mess to a degree where we can vote like we might normally? Do you have any thoughts on that yet? Is, I know those are conversations that are ongoing. Right, they are. I, 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 I would hope that we'll be able to vote as we normally do in November, but uh, what we will be able to do and not do will really be determined by this virus. Uh, and we want to make sure that um, the, the health situation is, is, is um, uh, certainly under control and that it's safe for us to, to go out and do that. Uh, but I think uh, the alternative would probably be uh, per perhaps vote by mail. But right now you can register. If you've not registered to vote, you can do that by, uh, you can go online and do that. So that's helpful. Um, but uh, don't, I don't, don't really know what's going to happen. But I think we do have to be prepared, and a lot of a lot of us are talking about can we effectively and and efficiently uh, vote uh, by mail. But I certainly don't want to see the kind of thing that happened in Wisconsin. I think that was really terrible uh, for those citizens to have to take that kind of risk to say, do I vote or do I uh, do I try to preserve the safety of my life? And so I hope we're not in that situation. But I think uh, voting by mail may be. You know, think about it. We we already have. Um, you can do an absentee ballot right now. I mean, that's been uh, in existence for a long time. It has worked well. Um, I don't think there's a lot of fraud with that. You know, I've heard uh, a few people say, you know, you can't do that because that's uh, that that's fraud. But uh, I, I I think that that may be an alternative. Hopefully, we don't have to go that route. But I would certainly encourage people to go ahead and and uh, and uh, get an absentee. Uh, that's certainly what I'm going to do, and at least you'll you'll have it done, and uh, you'll be able to to be counted. And the uh, and even the president and his wife, the first lady, decided to vote by mail. So um, if that's it's, exactly if it's okay right. for them to do it. Then it ought to be okay for other people to do it. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on today. Do you have any final words for um, the folks of the 12th district and the folks of Charlotte as we continue to deal with this crisis? First of all, let me uh, say again that this is a uh, this is a serious situation. It has impacted us not only as a community. I think every person has been touched in some way, uh, and and every community and every every family has been impacted. Uh, I want to say to the citizens to be encouraged, uh, to be by all means uh, uh, be safe. Uh, follow at least the directions that 
our government, our, our, our state has, has uh, been under. Stay in as much as you can. Uh, protect yourself if you have to go out. Um, wear, your, wear your mask. Uh, make sure you have your hands covered. Uh, make sure that when you come home and when you're home, frequently wash your hands and uh, make sure that you, uh, if you have to be out, that you are six feet apart. I think if we follow those, uh, those rules, uh, we can get this thing leveled off and, and perhaps get back to what we know the normal is uh, and not have to continue to live under these circumstances. And I would say to all of the folks who are filing for unemployment, all of our businesses who are trying to get support, uh, please um, give my office a call or access, uh, access our uh, website at Adams house.gov and we'll be able to to help you there's a lot of resources on that website and real quick i know you've got to be on another call at 10 30 so we want to let you go but in one minute can you tell us about the town hall you've got coming up thursday about black maternal health well and thank you for for bringing that up um you know one of the things that we say uh in uh, our community we've heard a lot when the um when the nation gets a cold african americans um, get the flu or we get pneumonia uh, we have a serious uh, crisis, not only in our nation, uh, with um, uh, African-American women uh, dying four times uh, more likely than other women in other nations, uh, women of other ethnicities, uh, and uh, giving, giving birth. And uh, we want to um, bring to the attention the, um, uh, this particular situation and how we can uh, improve that, improve those numbers. This is, th these are things that we can control. These are things that are, uh, that, um, uh, that can be controlled, but a lot of people don't understand what's going on in terms of, of uh, black women and giving birth. And during this time of, of, the, of the COVID, uh, I think it's very important that we deal with these health issues, not only for African-Americans overall, uh, because our numbers are greater in terms of who's getting the disease and who's dying from it. And so uh, we have a particular interest in African-American women. We did start the, F the, um, uh, the caucus for uh, Black maternal health. Uh, I chair that with Congresswoman Underwood of Illinois. So we're going to be talking about the, the, that, those issues. We've got doctors on uh, on the panel, as well as other as other, other individuals who, who are in the healthcare business and who work with women, and we want everybody to be safe. But there's some special precautions I think that we need to be uh, sharing with our public about things that uh, that can happen to you uh, if you're pregnant, and particularly during this time. And so we want to share that information. And I'll be talking also about the momnibus uh, package that we um, just. Uh, uh, introduced uh, right before all of this occurred. Thank you for everything you're doing. I, I, have, Thursday, I, I, have not I have not confirmed this, but I've heard that those during these times that have the largest collections of hats that they can wear are those that will stay the cleanliest and safest. I think you and I are probably in the top of that. I'm pretty sure I've got you beat, but you're really close in your number of hats that you have. All right. Well, if you can beat uh, 1,204, then you can, my, I tip my hat to you. I'm about, about 1,500 shy of that, I think. So. All right. Good for you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks. Have a great rest of the day and stay safe. We'll Thank see you. You too, and happy Easter to everybody. You as well. Wash so, your hands. Yes, ma'am. Larkin.
Go wash your hands right now. Yes, ma'am. Um, we will talk to you later, uh, our dear friend, uh, Congresswoman Alma Adams from the 12th District. Congressman Dan Bishop from the 9th District, we appreciate you so much. We just talked to your colleague, the other representative from the 12th District. Um, so it's a great honor for Larkin and I, obviously, to have both of you guys at a really pressing and critical time. Let's just start with you right now. Um, what's What's this? Larkin, ask the same question you started with Congresswoman Adams, because I'd be interested to hear what Dan has to say. Yeah, we were just asking her what it's like being a member of Congress. Um, Tark and I have the luxury of representing an area where we, we live and work. It's all in the same place. Um, you guys go up and represent us in Washington, D.C. When we've got travel restrictions, when we've got stay-at-home orders, what's your day or week, uh, what's your new normal look like trying to represent Charlotte in Washington while not being able to travel the way that you normally would? Well, the summary would be that it is an endless conference call. <clears throat> but uh, to flesh that out a little bit, as you both know, and by the way, thank you for inviting me to join you and I appreciate the opportunity. But as you both know, uh, this is my seventh month in Congress. Uh, what a seventh, the uh, seven months it has been. Uh, I thought the biggest, you know, that the, maybe the, the, all the storm had passed after we finished with impeachment in January, because I came in within 90 days was voting on articles of impeachment for a sitting president. Uh, but now, of course, and then there were a couple things in between I won't even mention, but I mean, now we're in this COVID thing. So, so, so unlike Congresswoman Adams, uh, I'm relatively new to this. And so I've experienced a couple months, three months, maybe two months, uh, in which uh, the new normal has been very abnormal. And I would say that, uh, you know, it is very confining, maybe more so than you as, as members of council, because the physical aspect of being there, you guys are not able, I guess, to get around the dais. I haven't followed exactly the, the mechanics of your meetings, but you know, you've got uh, some, this is the environs in which you operate as well as live. And, and for me, I mean, I'm coop up, cooped up in the house. If uh, my wife probably is the, is the uh, most patient, uh, since Se the second most patient to Crystal Bakari. Yes. <laughs> okay, good point. <laughs> That's right. But it, it's, um, it's, it's disheartening a little bit. And, and I think I can identify, you know, I'm also 55 years old. You guys are young men. Uh, I envy you that. Uh, but um, I know that one of the things you, you know, we all know that some of the people when they retire, they face sort of a transition to this sort of sitting around the house and, and not fully, uh, not exercising as much as supposed to. I probably should be doing more, but, and I do some. But uh, but you, it's it's a very it wears on you. And uh, people talk about mental health challenges, and uh, and I think and of course there's always a ever will be probably as much as we work against it a stigma on those issues. And some people are thinking, well, that's not me. I but I think all of us uh, are you know have, have changes to our lives that affect us over the long term if we if this kind of situation continues. So I'm not complaining. It is a fabulous privilege to be serving 9th District in, uh, in the United States Congress. But, uh, but we all face, uh, this, this is a situation that's got to change. Well, let's, uh, let's, 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 we were, I was going to move into the next question, but I think that's an important point. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. <laughs> Just real quick, go maybe one level deeper. Because right now, I think everyone, and everyone deals with it, different ways. People have different, you know, some people have too many people in their home right now. Some people don't have enough. I think everyone is going through a bit of a time where it's a, it's a evolution of emotions, of feelings. And I know there's probably a lot of depression out there right now. 
And I mean, what are we at? Like we're like week three and this could potentially, you know, numbers are looking better, but this could potentially be months. Right. So like, I mean, what, what, how should we be thinking about that? And should this be something we talk about more? Uh, perhaps so. And I think everyone will respond to it out of our own different perspectives. Uh, it makes me, uh, it, it causes me to reflect Tarek on the fact that today's good Friday. Uh, many folks are going to first uh, feel sort of a deprivation or a loss by virtue of not being able to attend worship services uh, this Easter weekend. But you know what it inspires for me, I think, is that there's another way to look at it, which in, um, and I maybe I was uh, talking about my existence and sort of complaining in, in a minor sense, perhaps, uh, about the confinement. Uh, but it is nothing compared to what many face now in current circumstances that you made reference to. And it is nothing compared to really the deprivations and hardships Americans have faced over uh, the, the history of the country. And I think what it brings to my mind is uh, St. Paul, who said, in all circumstances, give thanks to the Lord. Um, it is, it, it, each of us can find a silver lining in the current circumstances and, and something for which to be grateful if it's a, uh, Perhaps it's just it's the presence of family that you're often uh, separated from, and although we can irritate each other, um, if we if we if we're intentional about it, I believe we can find those positive things and and focus on those. Great points. So a lot has been discussed and done in Washington. There's a lot going on in Raleigh, and then here in Mecklenburg and Charlotte at the local level. Um, we all realize how many people are are not only dealing with a health crisis, but now dealing with an economic crisis both as individuals and small businesses. Uh, talk a little bit, if you will, about uh, what all has gone on in Washington, what all is in the works. Um, and want to want to dig into that a little bit so that your constituents, the people of Charlotte, people of North Carolina, know uh, what resources are available from Washington. Uh, we've talked a lot about more of the state and local, but haven't had a chance to have you and Congresswoman Adams on until today. Well, I appreciate that, Lark. And, and um you may have covered this. I did not get an opportunity. I really wanted to join the call a little bit early so I could get a feel for what you all were talking with Congresswoman Adams about. I, I uh, was incompetent uh, getting the tech hooked up to do that. So you might have to stop me and guide me as we go. But my priorities have been sort of fourfold uh, as we've as we've gone along. Uh, we've moved uh, uh, several pieces of, of legislation. Uh, the, there have been three phases of legislation. The biggest one, of course, was the CARES Act that we passed on March 27. And for me, the focal point of that, and there's a lot in that $2.2 trillion legislation, but the, uh, the centerpiece for me was the, what's referred to as the pay, Paycheck Protection Program, these forgivable loans aimed at small businesses. Um, but uh, it also is true, that's a $349 billion program. The design was uh, to uh, to hold businesses together with their by keeping their their people intact, uh, and so um, uh, unfortunately, a lot of businesses have been obliged to send people over to unemployment, and then those those folks are dealing with the problems of that of overloading that system. But uh, but the idea here was to use, and this is quite notable, use the banking system uh, to push out an enormous amount of money in a short period of time in an attempt to buoy small businesses and keep their people paid. Uh, two weeks is an eternity in a crisis like this, but, to, to, but to, for uh, the regulators first to set up 
uh, all the necessary tools for that program to operate within one week. And now, uh, as of just yesterday, we were on a conference call with the SBA administrator, and she told us at the time that uh, SBA has already received applications for and issued guarantees on $100 billion of these loans. Uh, as of this morning, is $125 billion that have been guaranteed. Now, there are still issues about those getting funded. That is to say, if the money actually being released, but it is happening. Uh, and, and all this is very difficult because you're, you're pressing into service 3,900 banks and lenders across the country. Uh, but but that, uh, th that hopefully will help hold businesses together for a time. Uh, but anyway, that, that's the, so we've had three phases of litigation, of legislation. The first, first one was uh, aimed at sort of getting the public health system kind of, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, uh, states and local governments uh, pumped up with some funds to help with the emergency, uh, to get testing out and so forth. The second one had uh, some, some more uh, funding for, uh, for families that had a piece that I thought was troubling because it put a burden on small businesses right at the moment where many were poised to consider whether they needed to lay people off in the form of leave uh, obligations uh, that I didn't think was well designed. And then, uh, and then this last piece, the $2.2 trillion CARES Act has a lot to it. I've mentioned one, perhaps we'll cover others as we go. So, so that's uh, part of, the, of what I've spent time doing. Uh, you know, another part has been, I mentioned endless conference calls, those are staying informed and then attempting to advocate on behalf of those from whom I'm learning for such things as supply issues, uh, interacting with the administration and agencies uh, to get, uh, to, to cure supply problems, to determine whether really critical points, uh, because any system like that has a lot to, to take care of. Uh, and and there've also been such things as, uh, we were, my office and I personally have been very active with uh, um, Americans abroad, particularly in Peru who were stranded there. Uh, and there was some great, there was a great bit of difficulty getting them back. Uh, I've probably made some enemies on the telephone over the last <laughs> um, couple of weeks, but I do think <clears throat> there's no substitute for being aggressive about being the squeaky wheel on people's behalf when there are problems that, uh, that have to get solved right away. Yeah, there was a harrowing story in the Observer the other day about a couple who's stuck on a cruise ship and uh, is running out of medicine. So I know, um, I, not on the show today, but I know that Congresswoman Adams has has fielded a couple of those calls as well. One that I sent her way. There are some really um, bizarre and terrifying stories of Charlotte folks who cannot get home. And um, you know, if we think this is a scary time when we're stuck at home. Imagine being stuck on a cruise ship and running low on medicine. Yeah. And, and some of those are deliberate decisions to, I mean, the president brought in <clears throat> a cruise ship into Harbor that had been sort of left, uh, you know, had, had been refused port of entry. Uh, and that was a little controversial. They're bringing it in and then quarantine it, but it always presents risks uh, for folks. But you had a lot of folks who were not infected or in, a, in an infection environment. But in, in Peru, for example, uh, I think they had 6,000 Americans who were there on vacations and other activities, missions. And, uh, and there was just, I mean, is it, you know, there's some inevitable disjointedness in every government's response, even as uh, public officials try really hard. But in other nations where uh, that are not as well resourced, they're even worse. So uh, Peru had some genuinely remarkable problems in its uh, in pieces of its government communicating with each other, and, and we just and and it was an ugly situation. But the State Department worked hard at it, and they got it resolved. I've got two, two questions for you in relation to all the legislation and what's been going on. Um, one, uh, 
you alluded to it a second ago. So you didn't support that one of those pieces. Uh, and I remember first, when I first kind of heard it without any context, I was like, wow, that, that's weird. Why would you do that? And then as I heard what your thought process was, it actually really resonated with me in local things that I'm dealing with, which is it's like, and I said this during our economic development committee meeting yesterday, which was, you know, there's going to be countless things we can do. And a lot of them are going to be feel good. And it's going to be like, you know, how could you not do this, but we're only going to be able to do certain things and we need to think of the unintended consequences. So when I heard the details of you weren't supporting that, and then I, it, again, I'm only at this level, you're down here, but I'd like you to elaborate a little more as my first question is, you know, when there are unintended consequences of, yeah, leave is really important for the individuals out there, but does that ultimately burden the same businesses that were having to float and figure out ways to keep their payroll intact? And, you know, is that the optimal way to do it? Or are you causing another problem you got to go back around and solve? Just elaborate a little more. Did I understand it correctly? And two, how do we more broadly think about balancing, you know, unintended consequences versus the sea of feel good momentum that goes along with every idea? You're, you're absolutely right, Tark. And let me begin it, begin that point by saying that it is an, in this environment, um, there is a, a, a sort of a, a human as well as other animal, animals tend to herd and tend to stampede uh, when, when uh, crisis is at hand, uh, there actually is a need for uh, authority to centralize <clears throat> around a relative few. But um, but one of the, the but the magic thing about uh, human beings is the opportunity, reason, and to to resist the panics and the um, and the momentary enthusiasms for things that aren't very well thought out. And I think that's uh, it, you know, it, uh, I remember Congresswoman Adams said that I should be ashamed of myself for that vote. Uh, I and 40 uh, Republicans in total in the House have uh, voted against that bill. And in my case, it was purely for what I said. I, I uh, believed that the support to workers ought to happen. Uh, I thought that we could use the state unemployment systems to do what was done. There are a number of folks up there who have a very strong view, mostly on the left, that uh, believe that government ought to mandate permanently uh, various types of, of leave from employment. And, and there, I, you know, we can debate the relative merits of that, so it was important to them that it be done a certain way. But, it, but exactly, I mean, it, it, the, great, the great irony is that we, it, and so that was about March 14, I think, early in the morning, the bill came out, was on the floor for no more than 45 minutes, essentially no debate on it and, uh, and passed. Frankly, didn't see the final version. You knew some of the things were in it, but, and, and, and by the way, uh, there's, a, there's a tax credit provided ultimately for the government to pay the cost of this leave. But the problem is that you're, you have businesses waking up reading headlines across the country and they're all sitting there on, you know, wondering what we're, you know, my business is off 70%. What do I do? Can I hold my enterprise together and all my employees? And the first thing I tell them is, is or they learn is that they've got a new burden to uh, pay for a lot of leave for people to be gone for an in, indefinite, you know, 12 weeks, as much as that. And so that makes the decision for many immediately uh, before the details are known. And even then, uh, there were situations in which they'd have to bear the, the working capital cost of doing that. Now, a lot of people say, well, whatever the bill comes out to be, you got to vote for it in this situation. But that is where it gets pretty tough, and you earn your stripes, and you earn your money as a member of, of any legislative body 
is by stepping forward and saying, wait, hold on, that's not a good idea. We can do that better. But as it was the, with great irony is two weeks later, uh, we're trying to prop up and solve, uh, save businesses with great program, this $349 billion program. But it just in the, in the previous two weeks, we've driven a lot of them to already disband their employees. And, and uh, so anyway, I, I think it's a good, good example, Tark. And, and, and I think it, you know, all of us, that's where, you, you know, we owe it to our constituents to be prepared to stand up, take some heat uh, for, for, for urging against something or casting a vote against it um, if, if the design is bad. And uh, that's what I did in that case. There's a lot that needs to be done in Raleigh and again at a local level too. Um, so we're certainly not advocating ourselves of that responsibility and we're in the throes of that right now. What else do you, what else would you like to see um, coming from Washington other than what's already been passed? Well, first thing that this, when this 2.2 trillion, just to make sure it's clear that there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there. We've only mentioned one small piece of it. There's, uh, there's about a half trillion dollars of, of a direct, uh, payments from the treasury to individuals, those checks should, and payments into bank accounts should begin to appear next week. Um, that also is amazingly fast. Um, there are, what is it, maybe it's a 350, there's a, um, a, a 400, about $500 billion, 75 billion went to sort of shore up the airlines and, and air cargo businesses, which are just decimated. Uh, you know, they dropped 93% or whatever. And you want to keep that functionality operating in your, in your society. Um, there is uh, also uh, $425 billion that went over to the Fed. Now the Fed is going to leverage that to put about $4 trillion of additional liquidity into the economy through direct uh, credit facilities, backing up the, the markets, making direct loans to larger enterprises. And also they call it the Main Street um, credit facility. I think it's unprecedented. The Fed will be loaning money to bigger, but uh, enterprises, but not, you know, either barely over the small business limits or even lower that for some reason can't participate in the, in the paycheck or the, the paycheck protection program that we've talked about. So there's a lot in that program to continue to get out. And I think we need to monitor and see how that goes. Um, one thing that needs to happen right now though, is that paycheck protection program, um, I mentioned there's $125 billion in guarantees issued as of this morning. The total appropriation is $349 billion. That's moving extremely fast. And that money will be, will be exhausted. And some estimated early on that, that, that to cover, I mean, it aims to cover payroll for about two months. Um, uh, the, and that number, somebody estimated to be about a trillion dollars. So everybody's recognized from the president and leaders in Congress that we need a clean, addition of another $250 billion to that program. Uh, uh, Democrats uh, seeing uh, uh, otherwise, I guess, uh, blocked uh, that on the floor of the United States Senate yesterday when they needed unanimous consent. Uh, I anticipated being in Washington this morning to vote for a, a, that addition. That needs to happen. Uh, it does, you know, uh, the $2.2 trillion CARES Act that we've been talking about was about a week later than it should have been because some held it up, held it hostage to unrelated policy demands they wanted to, to make. And I, uh, it's hard to, to, to summarize the cost of that right, or to explain it. But uh, businesses, you know, that you're trying to, hoping to shore them up, and whether you wait a week before they get that money in their hands or not, or know that program is coming, 
and then it's, it can't set it up and get it rolling immediately. So it's taking another two weeks. Losing a week is killer. And so right now, I don't think we need to do anything other than watch this program roll out and get another $250 billion in the pot for small businesses. And I hope that people stop uh, blocking or attempting to negotiate uh, tit for tat over that. Um, that's, I think, and and then, then I think we need to see to, uh, um, Larkin, uh, I, um, I, I, I'm pleased to see in North Carolina, we were, we are, we have a relatively good news, uh, in terms of how you compare us to some other jurisdictions, how this is rolling out. Even in New York, uh, we see some hopeful, uh, turns of events in terms of, uh, maybe getting to a place, but we've, we've got a government folks, executive branch, you know, the county commissioners here and the governor and governors everywhere have a really a great burden on them because they've, they have to figure out ways to innovate and let us pursue distancing practices, but not keep our economy on the, on ice. Uh, it just is something, you know, they, there's a rule they call the Stein law. I think if something can't continue, it won't. Uh, it cannot, we, it is not possible to leave the economy frozen uh, over a period of months. Just can't be done. Let me ask you one last lightning round question, and then we will thank you so much for joining us today. And that is this, given that more money is likely coming, given that um, a lot of those, particularly that aren't fully banked, maybe go through other kinds of providers or underbanked as businesses uh, are deprioritized here. Do you think What's your mantra on being kind of opening up the floodgates or staying constrictive, both on the bank side, when you look at the, you know, 1% APRs to the Wells Fargo uh, kind of example of inability to, to be able to uh, be unleashed. And then on the FinTech side, where they know how to build digitally, they know how to do fast, use data, do remote, so nobody has to be there. And they actually bank a lot of these small folks. Um, being kind of tethered. What what is your thought process as you as you go into the the the, the weeds of this and see you know how to solve bottlenecks in deployment? Uh, I think regulators need to have a, a very a great deal of flexibility, and they do. I mean, the Trump administration Treasury Department is forcing the SBA out of a lot of rigid positions. That's good. Uh, they're going to have to keep doing that. It it, it shows. Uh, Tark, though, that the ways in which private business has stepped up to save the bacon of the public sector in this crisis so far has been, been amazing. The way the testing rolled out once commercial labs got a green light to go, uh, the way we've gotten uh, you know, this tremendous amount of money flowing through banks, private banks, couldn't have ever gotten that out through the SBA. And there needs to be maximum flexibility on the part of administrative uh, regulators, and they've got to be left with a fair amount of power to get it done, and I think we've done that. Congressman of the 9th District, Dan Bishop, good friend. We appreciate you so much coming on once again, and we uh, hope that you and your family stay safe and you keep doing, uh, keep doing the work, my friend. Great to see you both. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Larkin. So, um, what, well, what episode was that, Tark? Well, I'm not real good at the math part here. Was it 97? Um, well, let's see. That's 97. So that, that would leave uh, how many to 198? And then 99 and 100. So that's I'm getting more and more concerned that, that our centennial episode is going to be done uh, remotely. You know, what we hear, you know what just popped in my head? We go from 99 to 101. 
And then come back. And then we, we come back for it whenever this <laughs> yeah, is that, over, man. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, episode 97. We'll definitely like uh, anytime we can have our representatives in the United States House on to talk about what's going on, and especially when we can have both of them. So thanks again to Congresswoman Adams and Congressman Bishop. Um, you know, there's some good things coming from Washington as far as the CARES Act goes, the PPP. Um, and again, there's a lot of work left to be done in Raleigh and left to be done here at home. So uh, we hope folks are staying safe. We hope they're staying informed. And, um, you know, we hope they're enjoying the, the content we're trying to pull together for them in, uh, in a different environment than we're used to, uh, to putting on this show. But um, hopefully it's helpful to folks. Hopefully it's, uh, it's entertaining to folks and educational to folks. And uh, give us your feedback. Let us know what you like. Uh, about these new formats, who you'd like to hear from, if there's questions you have, do you or like specific topics. Do you yes. dislike the windows that Larkin always sits in front of? We I'm doing better. What, I'm doing better. Guys. The people who are listening to the audio have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, do you have walls in your house or is it just all windows? Is the no. whole thing windows? No, I'm a Democrat. We like nature. So it's just kind of like, uh, there's no real start and stop to it. You're so basically, you're, I basically live in a yurt. You're An all window yurt. Are you doing okay, buddy? Listen, we, we haven't got to hug it out at all. And, I'm really and, glad for that. I know you're catching up on your uh, pop culture. You're watching some movies you've never seen before. What was it I said I watched the other day? I don't even know what you watched. Yeah, was something, something that – oh, it was, uh, it was uh, Semi-Pro, the oh. basketball one with Will Ferrell. Not his best work. But you, it's important to watch everything that's ever come out so you're familiar with, you know, like not his best work. So now if I say everyone, everybody love everybody, you know what, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> ELE. <laughs> All, right. All right. Sounds good. Um, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can do like a halftime show at a tropics game sometime. Ooh, look at you. See, you're just Get tropical stuff in here. I mean, you're, you're basically a, you're, you're a pro with this now, man. Yeah, man. Everybody get tropical. All right. We appreciate everybody listening. Make sure you like share. Um, as we do these episodes, if you're listening to the audio version of this, check out uh, the R and D and the QC Facebook page. We are live streaming these as we record them. So if you prefer to see it in that format, uh, along with folks comments that is there and available to you, um, but spread the word, spread the love. Everybody love everybody. Thanks for joining us. Everybody love everybody. Episode 97 in the books. <laughs>